uh, is a very important race. It's a very personal race. <laughs> but let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. And verses 1 through 3 is what we'll be looking at today. And it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that your word brings such encouragement to us. Your word is living. It's not like facts that we learn that help us. Your, your word is living. It gets in our heart. It causes us to become more like Jesus. It gives us strength, Father. And as we go through the message today, Lord, may it be a strength to your people to see what you have done. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can run this race. <clears throat> the first point that I want to bring out is we're not alone. Sometimes we feel alone, but we're not alone. We're not alone. It says, uh, you know, in the bold print there, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This cloud of witnesses is talking about all of the people who are listed in the previous chapter, chapter 11. These people who have started this walk of faith with God and they, they've completed it. They finished this walk of faith with God. And when it says witnesses, it doesn't mean that they're watching us. That's not what it's saying. We don't have a bunch of people who've done it who are watching us now to see if we can do it. That's not it at all. Their lives are a witness to us. We can look at their lives and say, wow, they did it. And God says, I want you to know you can too. They are a witness to us. They've shown us how to run the race of faith. They've shown us that you can finish. You can finish that race as an overcomer. You're not just barely crawling across the finish line, okay? You cross the finish line stronger than when you even started. Amen? Amen. That's God's will. That's God's will. Well, some would say, yeah, but when you read through chapter 11, it's like, these people, they're like super people. And I'm just me. There is nothing special about me, and yet they're so special. Well, when we really look at them, we find out they're just like us. They're not like a special group of people. Um, some might say, you know, I, I don't even have any family supporting me. And this walking with Jesus, I, I don't have family that even helps me. Well, neither did Abraham. He didn't have any family helping him walk with God. He didn't have any family encouraging him to walk with God. Let's just look at some verses here. Abraham, the father of faith. Look at what it says. Going clear back to Genesis. Then the Lord told Abraham, who later became changed name to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. 
I'll cause you to become the father of a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. And I will make you a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. But he said, Abraham, you got to leave all your family. They're still worshiping idols and stuff. you got to move on. you got to move on. And he did. Let's just look at, uh, at Hebrews, where it, the faith chapter, where it talks about Abraham. Hebrews 11.8 By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Can anybody relate to that part of the verse? Sometimes we don't really know where the Lord is taking us. We don't really know where we're going. But he just believed God. He believed God. Abraham made mistakes in his walk with God. He did not live a perfect life. There were a couple instances where Abraham, his wife, was very beautiful. Like mine. Like yours. Nod your head. Yes. Abraham was concerned. He went to some foreign lands and his wife was very beautiful and he was concerned that they would, the kings or somebody would kill him to get his wife. So he said, when we go there, Sarah, tell him you're my sister. Which in a way was a little bit true. But anyway, we won't go there. That doesn't sound like great faith. Does it? But you know what? We grow. When uh, Sarah came up with this great idea that since she was getting so old, this promised child was not going to come through her, uh, maybe this promised child was supposed to come through uh, her servant, Hagar. And so she talked with Abraham and said, why don't you take Hagar and, uh, and have a child through her, and that will be the promised child. And uh, Abraham, he went along with that. Was that God's will? Did Abraham miss the plan of God in that instance? He did. He did. He wasn't perfect. But he grew. He grew. Look at Romans chapter 4. Without weakening in his faith, it's talking about Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham just kept believing. He he was growing in faith and he kept believing. He was going to become the father of many nations. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't have that kind of faith. You're talking about running this race of faith. I don't have anywhere near that kind of faith. Well, let's look at Sarah. I love this story. I'm just going to read it. Genesis 18. It won't be on the screen. This is getting towards the end. Well, it's like a year away from Isaac being born. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. 
When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Genesis 18, verse 9. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. So she's not out there, but she's where she can hear everything. Okay, and she's listening closely. Let me find my spot here. Um, She was listening to the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Now the Lord has just said something, and she laughs. All right, let's let's look at this next part together. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Ooh. And say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah handled this in a very mature manner. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. (laughs) Okay. The mother of Isaac lied to the Lord. It's awesome. Got scared and lied. So Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Does it sound like great faith? I mean, in that instance, it doesn't sound like great faith. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're not perfect people. They made some mistakes. And yet, they believed God. They believed God. Now let's go to Hebrews, and I want us just to look at Sarah, as God records it in Hebrews, Hebrews 11.11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Don't look at where things are right now. This this walk of faith, this race of faith, we grow in it. We grow in it. And this cloud of witnesses aren't these people that we can't relate to at all. No, we can relate to them. And God was faithful. They started their race and they finished their race. And there were some things in between that might have been unpleasant and might have missed the will of God at times, but God is faithful. He is faithful. Or you might say, well, my background is a mess. I mean, I have so much baggage. I can't even believe how much baggage I have. Well, you know what? Other people have had lots of baggage too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Point to one of them. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't want to cause any problems in the church. No, no pointing. Okay, I brought that on myself. Scripture talks about Rahab. She, She was in an ungodly nation, idol worshiper, and God was going to judge this nation. Okay. Uh, Israel was at the Jordan River. They were going to cross over, take Jericho. That's where Rahab was. And she was a prostitute. Okay? It's not something you really boast about. But look what it says in Hebrews 11.31. 
faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. She entered into this life of, life of faith. And you know what? She made it all the way to the end. Listen, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are not alone. We are not alone. And the second thing is, we can throw off the hindrances and the sin. We can do that. We can throw off the hindrances and sin. And here's our text again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. New King James says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Years ago, several years ago, we live uh, right across from Hanshu School. And I know some of you guys look in our picture window when you drive by, okay? I know some of you do. So anyway, we were, uh, I looked out the picture window and across the street there's the Hanshu School and there's the track out there. And the fire truck had pulled up uh, to the track and the firemen, a bunch of them piled out of this fire truck and they went over to the track and they're all putting on these big packs. I don't know what they are, but they've got these big packs that they're wearing. And then they start going around the track, just over and over around. I don't know if it was a training thing. I don't know what was going on. But some of them were jogging, and some of them were just walking with these big packs. I didn't see anybody running with a big pack. But then uh, our son Josh, sometimes he would go over there and run. So he went across the street, and he's running while they're over there. And of course he's just lapping them because he's not carrying any pack. He's just like free. There's no weight weighing him down. I mean, he's just free. And that's really the way Jesus wants us to run our race. That's really the way he wants to help us run our race. Is that we're just free. And this, there are things that can weigh us down, that, that can hinder us in this race of faith. And it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw it off. Is anyone carrying the weight of guilt for things that have happened that you've done in the past? That's a weight. And let me tell you, it gets heavy. And it's hard to run the race with the weight of guilt on your shoulders. Do you know what God tells us to do with that guilt? He says, throw it off. Why do you keep carrying it? Throw it off. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He's faithful, just, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He just says, throw it off. Jesus died for it. Why do you keep carrying it? Some people... They get burdened down with regret. And God says, throw it off. Don't carry it around anymore. My mercies are new every day. Don't don't carry this thing through life. Throw it off. I want you to run free. Some people deal with fears. There's just fear. That just It's a weight of fears. They feel they're, they're afraid they're going to fall away from God. They're afraid they're going to fail. They're going to afraid whatever. They're just fears. And God, again, He says, I want you to throw it off. This fear of falling from God, throw it off. It's not from me. 
It's not from me at all. It's a weight that's just weighing you down. He told Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Evidently, there's a spirit of fear, but it doesn't come from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power. God's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, of self-discipline. You can do this. You don't have to live life weighted with fears. Let me just finish with this one. The list could be very long. There's all kinds of things that can weigh us down. But the Lord says, you're surrounded. You're not alone. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, throw off the stuff that would weigh you down. Throw it off. The last one I want to say is discouragement. Sometimes I deal with discouragement. I'm pretty sure I'm the only pastor that ever has, but that's the weight I bear. Sometimes discouragement, it comes. For whatever reason, sometimes you deal with discouragement. What does God want us to do? What? Throw it off. Throw it off. He does not want you carrying that day after day after day. Oh, there's so many promises that God gives us concerning discouragement. Wow. Philippians 4, 6. I just want to read that one. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is good to get rid of discouragement with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If, if discouragement is an issue, and you know, in life there are things that can be discouraging, God is saying, don't keep carrying that. Throw it off. Throw it off. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sometimes Lori will come to me and say, Mike, can you untangle this? And it's a necklace. Lori doesn't wear big chains with lots of bling, okay? Typically, they're these tiny little chains. Mike, can you untangle this? Oh, Jesus. I feel I should follow the scripture and throw it off, the sin that it entangles. But I mean, here I am clumsily, you know what I'm saying? Of course, the challenge, can you get it? Of course I can get it. I will get it. And... uh, Typically I can get it, but sometimes it's like, you know, you'd look better in that other necklace tonight. You really would. Sin will so entangle a life. Oh, it's just something I enjoy once in a while. No, it will entangle. You can't like pick and choose when you get to enjoy sin. It will entangle. And, uh, and it makes life so complicated. I mean... Life gets so complicated when you let sin get in there and weave through stuff. And God doesn't say, you've sinned, I'm done with you. He says, no. Throw it off. That's right. Throw it off. I, I don't think I can do it. Well, you probably can't by yourself. That's why you have a Savior. 
What does a Savior do? Saves. Are you trying to be good for Jesus? Or by the grace of God and Him helping in your life, you're becoming more like Him? Listen, there's a big difference between trying to live for Jesus in your own strength and realizing, I just need your help. You've got to help me with this. Yeah. All right? Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from the penalty of sin. Alright? Sin, there is a penalty for sin. Spiritual separation from God, spiritual death, and eventually eternal death. There is a penalty for sin. Jesus died to remove the penalty of sin. But He also died on the cross to remove the power of sin. We're no longer slaves to sin once Christ has come into our life. We can still sin. There still can be things we struggle with. But we are not a slave powerless to have to do these things. By the help of Jesus, we overcome. Okay, you got to stop getting discouraged because you haven't overcome. Be encouraged. He will help you overcome. Be encouraged in this. you you got to read this verse. If you don't have this one highlighted in your Bible or on your app or I'm so I'm such a dinosaur on that stuff anyway. Hebrews 4, look at this. This is a pretty good verse. That is why we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has gone to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us what? Cling to him. Does it say just when you're doing really good? No, it doesn't say that. Let us cling to Him and never stop trusting Him. But I'm struggling. Yeah, trust Him. I've struggled with this for a long time. Yeah, trust Him. Trust Him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. You need to get that. He understands our weaknesses for He faced all of the same temptations we do, yet He did not sin. He never fell. He never failed in that area, but He came to take our place, okay, because we have. So, let us come boldly. It's talking about struggling here. Struggling people. And He says, come boldly. Why would he say that? Because he loves us. He's, he's provided this for us. He'll help us. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. What is mercy? It's not getting what you really deserve. I mean, that's mercy. You really deserve this. But God says, no, I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you. Receive mercy. And we will find grace, the favor of God, to help us when we need it. We're not alone. We can throw off the hindrances and the sins. We can. It's a day at a time, but it's with the help of God. We're not doing this on our own. The third point is this. We can run with perseverance. We can. This is not for a select few. We can run this race of faith with perseverance. It says that there's this race. It says it's marked out for us. 
That race, it's really talking about our walk with God. It's marked out for us. Our walk with God, our living with Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord each day. That's the race we're in. And it says, run it with perseverance. I've shared this story before. But it's memorable. I was 18 years old. I wasn't a Christian yet. Just got off work. Uh, worked for a carpenter. So I had my work boots on and my blue jeans, my work shirt. I'm coming home from work and this thought came into my mind. Run a mile. Mm, that's the devil. <laughs> yeah, that's the devil. <laughs> I've never run a mile in my life. Okay, at that point in time. Run a mile. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've never run a mile. I'm going to run a mile. So I got home, parked my vehicle, and then I walked for a block to the edge of town. And starting at that corner, you could run along the edge of town, and then it went out into the country, and it was a mile from that corner to, uh, you know, to the next cross-section there. So I thought, okay. So I walk over there in my boots. There's a filling station right there on the corner, you know. And then I was just like, go! I'm running. I don't know what people thought. You know, what's this kid doing out there? His boots and blue jeans, and he's running past us. And I made it a block. Two blocks, three blocks, four blocks. It's getting harder. And now I'm not in town anymore. I'm out in the country. But it's still a paved road. And I'm just, uh, I'm dying. But I'm going to run a mile. I've never done it, but I'm going to do it. And it was in sight. No, I didn't say Jesus. Jesus was kind of a cuss word at that time, so I didn't say Jesus. But I'm just running and it's like, I finally reached the corner where it was a mile and I just rolled off into the ditch. <laughs> I don't remember sitting down. I just kind of remember falling and rolling off into the weeds and laying there for a long period of time. And eventually I got up and I walked the entire way back. Endurance? I had no endurance whatsoever. Well, God saves me. Praise God. He says, I want you to go to college. So I end up in Bible college. And then our Greek teacher, Brother Hernando, says, let's start a cross-country team here at Trinity Bible College. They didn't have one. He said, let's start a cross-country team. Who would like to be part of the cross-country team? Something in me. <laughs> it had to be God. Something in me said, you're going to join the cross-country team. And I remember that first mile. But I joined and it was rough. But the endurance built. I mean, there's practice every day. You're out there running with people who, like, they, they were on cross country in high school. They go to college. Yeah, no bitterness. No bitterness whatsoever. <laughs> it was rough. But, you know, it wasn't very long before, well, that first mile was pretty easy. And then it was like the second mile was pretty easy. The fourth mile. Man, this, I'm getting to where I'm not out of breath. And I can just run. You know, I was like 22 or something when that all started. I don't know. I'm 20, I don't remember 20. I ran for years after that. Four miles at a time. Five miles, six miles. Endurance. And it wasn't miserable. I could talk with people. Well, Lori, when we were dating, she'd be riding her bicycle and I'd be running and we'd be talking back and forth. <laughs> Things have changed since then somewhat, okay? 
But this is the point. God says, let us run with perseverance this race that's marked out for us. Nobody starts with perseverance. Nobody starts with it. Or it's limited. It's something that grows. And it's a day-by-day thing. But it's for everybody. It's for everybody. You can grow in endurance. That word endurance means this. It's from two words. Uh, It means constancy, continuance, bearing up, steadfastness, holding out, patient endurance. I like that. Patient endurance. The word uh, combines hupo, under, and mone to remain. It describes the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Are you under difficult circumstances? Perseverance is the capacity to continue. Even if the circumstances are difficult. But it's not talking about a just grinding your way through. It's actually talking about having faith as you're going through it. Having a um, hopeful fortitude as you're going through it. And if I haven't bothered you enough, let's look at this verse. James 1. Oh, you got to love it. Consider it pure, what? Joy. Joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Jesus. Why would you ask us to consider it to look at it, to see it as pure joy when we're facing lots of different kinds of trials. Because there's a plan of God that's bigger than any trial. Alright? The devil says, this trial is going to destroy you. And God says, oh no. You're going to be stronger than you've ever been. The outcome of this trial is you're going to know me more. You're going to love me more. I'm going to be more real to you and you're going to be stronger. That's what this trial is going to produce. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith destroys your walk with God. Yeah, you better be reading, okay? Because I just lied right there, okay? You know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance is developed. Well, I just want to pray for it. Well, you can pray for it. But it really doesn't come through prayer that much. You pray that God will help you keep going through. Okay? you got to, day by day, keep getting up, keep praising God, keep thanking God, keep walking with God. That's where develop, that perseverance is developed. Perseverance must finish its work. It has an assignment in your life. So that you may be mature. Mature. If you want to give up quickly, I don't care if you've been reading the Bible a hundred years. You're not mature. Perseverance will make you mature. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, there's a great cloud of witnesses that had to go through that. And we'll have to learn to persevere also. But again, not in our own strength. My goodness. 
Jesus today, help me. Jesus right now, help me. He's faithful. We're not alone. We can throw off hindrances and sin. We can. God says we can. He helps us do it. We can run with perseverance. It's it's God's plan for your life. He'll help that to be developed in your life. But the last one's my favorite. The last one. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. That's my favorite. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Mm. The author and perfecter of our faith. That word fix there... I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. From apo, away from, and horao, to see. The word signifies undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on one object. It's it's like, no, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm staying here. No, I'm staying here. The worst one is when we look in. That's probably the worst distraction when we start looking in. No, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, okay? Let's keep our eyes there. Don't get distracted from seeing Jesus. Well, I don't want to look at Jesus. He's mad at me. Probably not. The devil might be telling you that he's mad at you. But he's probably not. He's probably wanting to fix your eyes again on him so that he can help you. Or do you see mostly problems? Yeah. Then what are your eyes fixed on? <laughs> problems. Alright? Do you look mostly at yourself and see shortcomings? I've heard sometimes Christians do that. I don't know, I've just heard that. Then what are your eyes fixed on? If you go through life looking at yourself... You know, enjoy the roller coaster ride. It's going to be up and down. Doing good, doing bad, doing good, doing bad. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus doesn't change. He's always faithful. He always loves us. He always says you can do it. And He will discipline us if we need to. And I tell you what, I'm thankful for the discipline of the Lord when it's necessary. Because obviously I'm not listening to the still small voice of the Lord. So if He has to send some discipline to get my attention, that's fine. He dealt with me about talking with people or talking about people. I talked about a guy's kid in college. Said something about it. The all-knowing person that I was who had no kids and wasn't even married. And the Lord said, I want you to go to that child's father and tell him exactly what you said. He was the head of the financial department of the college and I owed money. I had to make an appointment and say, I said this about your child and I am sorry. That was discipline. I didn't talk about his child anymore after that. There's a lot of things I didn't talk about after that. Because God, are you going to make me go to everybody? I'm going to stop. Stop it now. This is embarrassing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now the devil will tell you to keep your eyes on all sorts of things. He'll say, you know what? If your spouse would just straighten up, your life would just be so much better. 
And how are you looking at your spouse all the time seeing what's wrong with them? The devil will do all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you, you don't become stronger in life by fixing your eyes on your spouse. Or your kids. Or your parents. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep them there. There's hope. There's strength. There's love. Jesus. Because the verse says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, that means the originator. Jesus is the originator of your faith. You didn't come up with it yourself. He's the originator of your faith. Creator, source. Look at this verse. I love this verse. And we're going to wrap it up real shortly. God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ. Let me tell you, you did not find Jesus. Jesus found you. Okay? And Jesus worked on your heart until that point when you surrendered and submitted. Okay? God was doing the work. God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He is, Jesus is the one who made us acceptable to God. Okay, other translations, He is our righteousness. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy. He is our holiness. Jesus is my holiness. I let Him work it out in my life so I'll become more like Him, but He is my holiness, let me tell you. And He gave Himself to purchase our freedom. That's the word redemption. And He is our redemption. Jesus gave Himself to purchase your freedom. Don't give up on the freedom quickly. Jesus wants you free. Well, it's been a struggle. Yeah, but Jesus wants you free. Well, he's getting tired of me asking. Oh, no. He's not getting tired at all. Because it's his plan that you're going to be free. You're going to be free. That's his plan. That's actually the race that's marked out for you to become free. You might have to build some perseverance and endurance in the process. You might have to throw off some things that are heavy. And the sin that will entangle, you've got to deal with it along the way. But you're not alone. God is faithful. God is faithful. And He is the finisher of our faith, it says. Oh, in the previous verse, it says. <laughs> he, he starts it, He'll finish it. He's faithful. So, we can run this race. Let me tell you, there's not a person in here that cannot run this race of faith all the way to the end. We can. We're not alone. We can throw off the hindrances. We can throw off the sin. We can run with perseverance. It's a day at a time. And we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who loves us. The rest of the verse says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy set before him? I'm just going to assume it's us. 
It's just us. The joy, Jesus said, oh, I see these people being free. I see them being accepted by my Father. I see them coming into the family. I see them overcoming. I see them conquering all that stuff that Satan's tried to bind them with. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I don't care what shame I go through. I'm going to set them free from their shame. It's amazing. We have such a Savior. We have such a Savior. Don't be good for Him. Be close to Him and let Him make you what you're supposed to be. Okay? i got to stop. <laughs> I've talked long enough. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, closing this service, I just want us to rejoice. Amen. Let me tell you, no one in here is without hope. That's right. No one in here is stuck. No one in here is in a situation where God has said, you know what, I'm done with them. I'm done with them. No. Nobody in here is in that circumstance. We're in a good place. Amen? We're in a good place. We really are. Amen?